Here we go. Hey, good to see such a great crowd here today. May I turn it down just a little, little bit? Great. If Tom had known this many people were going to show up, he wouldn't let me preach. I promise you. Okay? He figured nobody was going to be here this week. So, hey, Don, why don't you go ahead and take it this week since nobody's going to, everybody's going to be at the lake. But it's good to see you here today. I am glad you're here today. If you'll take your Bibles in just a moment, we're going to look in John chapter 8. We'll begin reading uh, in verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. This is a special weekend in the life of our country, of course, because it's a weekend in which we celebrate our freedom. Many of you in this crowd especially can uh, appreciate it. You know, it's been over, what, 73 years ago that uh, FDR delivered his famous freedom speech uh, as he addressed Congress there after he'd been elected to an unprecedented third term. And he talked about freedom, and he talked about freedom of speech and freedom of religion, freedom from want and freedom from fear. And we celebrate all kinds of freedoms here in our, in our country today. But isn't it sad that with all the freedom that we have and all the things that we have to celebrate, that so many people in America today, this country of over 300 million people, so many, possibly even the majority, find themselves in slavery. Find themselves in bondage today. You say, well, well, what kind of bondage? What, what kind of, are you, are, you, are you talking about the people who are in prison? Well, well that could be part of it. <laughs> I'm reminded of the story of the, of the elderly man that his son had gotten uh, arrested and taken to prison, and he, and he wrote him a letter, and he said, uh, Son, I, I don't know what I'm going to do this year. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to be able to plant the garden because you're not here to help me to break it up, to till the ground. And his son replied, he said, Dad, don't do anything in the garden because that's where all the bodies are buried. The next day, the county sheriff, the FBI agents, everybody showed up and they dug that garden up from one end to the other, but they didn't find any bodies. The son wrote a letter, said, Dad, I did all I could under the circumstances to help you get the garden in. That's not the kind of freedom, that's not the kind of uh, bondage that I'm talking about, people being in prison. But today we look around this country where we live and we see so many people who are in financial bondage. You know, this, this desire for the American dream, this desire for stuff, this, this, this uh, desire to acquire have, have gotten a lot of people in, in, in the shackles of slavery. For, for many, it's an, it's an addiction, whether it's drugs or, or alcohol or, or pornography. They've, they've gotten themselves caught, shackled, in, in, in bondage instead of experiencing freedom. Some people, uh, it's just, the, just slavery of sin. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's Word together. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, 
you shall be free indeed. You may be seated. Jesus came and died on the cross so that you and I could experience freedom. And when he made that statement to those Jews who were listening there, you shall know the truth and the, the truth shall set you free, it, it aggravated them. It, it aggravated their sense of patriotism. It aggravated their sense of heritage. It, it, it aggravated their, their, their sense of freedom because they said, how dare you talk to us like that? We're, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Well, now, technically, obviously that wasn't true, right? <laughs> they forgot that they'd spent over 400 years in bondage in Egypt right at the beginning of their nation. And even in their present day, the, 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 uh, the Jewish nation was totally controlled by, by the Roman Empire. So, so they were technically had been in bondage. They were presently in bondage. But Jesus was talking to them about a, a totally different kind of bondage, not to any earthly power not to any human government, but he talked about them being slaves, being slaves to sin. You know, we come today and we celebrate our freedom. We thank God for our freedom. Even as we study in the book of James, he refers to looking into the Word as the, as the law of liberty. We, we have so much freedom in, in Christ, but as we look around our nation, we see so many people not experiencing that freedom. Why, why do you think that is today? In, in, a, in a nation that was started because the people came wanting to worship God freely without any restraint, not being told by a king or a government how they had to worship or, or how they, they, they must worship, how, how do you think we have so many people in, in, in bondage today? Remember those, those words from, the, uh, from our forefathers, we hold these truths. But could it be that in our culture today that it could be described as, as Paul described the culture of his day in Romans 125, they, they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They've exchanged the truth for a lie. Now if you look around our culture today, you see a lot of lies being told and passed off as the truth, haven't you? I mean... You know, you can turn on Oprah, you, you can turn on even Dr. Phil. You, you can turn on any talk show, you can watch The View, uh, you can look at the evening news, uh, you can see so many things, that, that things that are being expounded uh, and expressed as being the absolute truth, but when we look into the real truth, into the mirror of God's Word, we see that they're nothing more than lies. Let, let, me, let me share some of you with just some that, that I jotted down. There, there are many more, but so just some that I jotted down. That if we were to rank them from, from 10 to number 1. No, number 10, we, we would see today that one of the false beliefs is all of your problems are someone else's fault. No accountability anymore, is there? It's either you can blame everything that happens to you in your life on either the way you were raised or how you were not raised or, or, or on this or on that, but, but nothing is your fault. Another lie that's being taught today in our society, these false beliefs, you'll be happy if you get whatever you want. Wow. <laughs> Never before have we had so much, and yet we look around and we don't see a lot of happiness. Here's one. 
There is never any reason you should feel guilty. Even in church today, right? The way to draw a crowd, the way to get people to come is by getting there and making them feel good. Helping them to leave feeling good about themselves. Never calling for life change, never calling for faith, never calling for repentance, but just telling people how you don't have to be guilty, you're just the way God made you to be, and you just go out and you just keep doing what you're doing. Here's another false belief that has led some to slavery. The world owes you happiness. Get disillusioned pretty quickly with that one, don't we? Here's another one. You can have whatever you want, and you shouldn't have to work for it. Easy, isn't it? Just hang around, wait for your rich uncle to die, everything's going to come your way, right? Here's one. There is no absolute truth. What is right for you may not be right for me. And only in the power of ourselves do we, do we get to choose what is right and what is wrong for us. Here's another one. It's not right for me to try to convince you that my beliefs are right and yours are wrong. In other words, we're, we're being very, very hypocritical to take the Bible and tell someone the Bible's the truth. We're, we're, we're being very narrow-minded and bigoted if we say this is the only truth. That leads to another myth we have today. There are many ways to heaven. And you and I may be on different paths, we may have different beliefs, but, but ultimately everything is going to wind up in heaven with a loving God who loves everybody and won't allow anybody to go to hell. Here's one that's similar. All religions lead to the same place. So whether you pray to Allah or Buddha or God, we're all going to wind up in the same place. But you know, I think the number one lie, the number one myth that has caused so many people to miss their freedom is this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Now think about that for a moment. I read the other day where a pilot crashed in the side of a mountain and was killed. Now, he sincerely believed that his plane was higher and the mountain was lower. But he was wrong, wasn't he? You see, we can be sincerely wrong. And when we're sincerely wrong, it costs us our freedom. Now, it sounds good to say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It, it's very broad-minded, very politically correct. I'm okay, you're okay, everything's fine. But it doesn't help us deal with the consequences of our beliefs, does it? 
Again, as Romans 1.25 says, when you exchange the truth of God for a lie, you accept the consequences of what you believe. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's why Jesus would say in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Notice what he says down in, down in verse 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed, or you shall be really free. You see, a lot of people who celebrated their freedom on the 4th of July they're not free at all. They're blessed to live in this country. They're fortunate to live here. They have lots of opportunities, but they're not free because they have bought the lies of the world instead of trusting in the truth of the Word. You see, we have to believe something, right? And it's very important what we believe because the world is constantly changing. You know, what's accepted today was accepted, wasn't accepted 20 years ago. What's accepted today may not be accepted 20 years from now. But the good thing about the Word of God is it's constant. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Something has to be the authority. Something has to be your North Star. Something has to be what you set your compass by. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Only through Jesus can we have real freedom. These are the truths that, that we must hold dear as a, as a nation and as a people. Now from what can Jesus set you free? He said, you shall know the truth and the, and the truth shall set you free. But from what can Jesus set you free well first of all Jesus can set you free from the pain of the past you know a lot of people are in bondage today because of something that happened to them 30 35 20 25 years ago and they just can't seem to get over it and Jesus said Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And in other words, we have to let it go. Now, now what are some things that we need to let go? Well, we need to let go of guilt. Now, guilt is a good thing. When we do something that we're not supposed to do or we fail to do something that we should do, we ought to feel guilty. That's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit convicts. He brings to light. He exposes us of our sin. And the reason the Holy Spirit convicts us and makes us feel guilty is so that we'll confess it, we'll agree with God about it, and ask forgiveness, and He can remove it as far as the east is from the west. But we don't need to keep beating ourselves up over things that God has already, that Jesus has already died for, and He's already forgiven us of. We have to let it go. You can't live your life and have freedom and being a constant sense of regret. 
There's not a one of us that if we could go back at some point in our past would, would change some things if we could. The person who says, I wouldn't change a thing is by far the exception. Or they're senile one, okay? I mean, when Steve and I played golf the other day, the reason I like playing golf with Steve is he lets you have mulligans. Which in God means if you hit a shot you don't like it, he'll just let you hit another one and not count it on your score. That's why I shot so well. Okay? In life, we, all, we don't get to go back and, and have do-overs, but the good news is, is God forgives us of it. And he covers it. We've got to let go of guilt. We can't live our life in regret. Some people are slaves because they haven't, they've never forgiven. You've got to let go of grudges. It'll eat you up. I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care what that person did. You've got to forgive them. You've got to turn it over to God, and you've got to move on with your life, or it's going to eat you up and keep you in slavery and bondage for the rest of your life. Just like you can't live your life in a sense of regret, you can't live your life with a sense of resentment. Because like a cancer on the inside, it will eat you alive. You've got to let go. You gotta let go of guilt. You gotta you gotta let let go of grudges. Sure, your hurt's real, but the good news is, as Jesus said in Psalm, uh, God said in Psalm thirty four eighteen, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You gotta let go of guilt. You gotta let go of grudges, and you gotta let go of grief. All of us have those that have already gone on ahead of us. And we're looking forward to that time when, when, when we're going to see them again. My, my grandmother's birthday is Tuesday. And she's been in heaven some eight years now. Died one year after she accepted Jesus as her Savior. And I'm so excited that one day I'm going to get to see her again. And we have that to hold on to, but we can't let grief over someone we've lost in the past keep us from living in the present and, and looking forward to the future. Jesus can set us free from the, from the pain of the, of the past. But not only can he set us free from the pain of the past, but he can set us free from the pressures of the present. I don't know about you, but does life seem to get a little bit out of control from time to time? You know, you got, you got this responsibility at work, and you got this responsibility at church, and you got this responsibility with the kids and the grandkids, and this responsibility with the parents, and this responsibility at home, and all of this stuff, and you're thinking, how in the world am I going to get all of this stuff done? The good news is that it was God who created 168 hours in a week. And he will allow you to pack what he wants you to in those 168 hours. You see, when we're under pressure, there, there are really two things that we need. We, we need, first of all, we need strength. And when we don't have any strength left, isn't it great to know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? That we, have, that we have his strength, that, that he gives us his power. But the key is, notice what Jesus said, you've got to abide in his word. That's the way we, we get strengthened. That's why it's important every day to have a spiritual workout. 
It's far more important to, to, to spend time in the Word every day in a spiritual workout than it is to go and walk around the block, which is important, or maybe go to the gym and, and lift weights, or maybe go swim or get on a bike or whatever. That physical exercise is great, and it strengthens your body. But spending time in the Word of God, that spiritual exercise, that's what strengthens your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's what helps you deal with all the pressures that are, that are placed on us from the, from the world. We need strength. Not our strength, but His. We have to keep our batteries charged. Just like we have to plug in those cell phones every night, we got to plug into the Word every day. And we need stability. Over and over and over again, the psalmist referred to God as his rock. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the, as the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, the, the, the rock, the foundation on which everything else is laid. That means, as Brother Tom was talking about the last couple of weeks, Jesus has to be at the center of your life. He, he can't be just one of many things. He can't be something out there on the fringe. But he has to be the center. He has to be the, the, the foundation. Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and does them. It's like a man who built his house on a rock and when the winds came and the storms came and beat and blew against it, it was solid because it had a firm foundation. Remember last week, James, or two weeks ago, James reminded us that we're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Jesus has to be the center of our lives. He has to be what we build our lives on. You see, some people are building their lives on the wrong things. Now, they're good things, but they're the wrong things to build your life on. Some people are building their lives on their marriage. Some people are building their lives on their kids or their grandkids. Some people are building their lives on their careers. Some people are building their lives on their hobbies. Some people are, are building their lives on a lot of different stuff. But all of those things will crumble. They're not stable. Unless you build it on the rock. Jesus Christ. Jesus can set you free from the pain of the past. He can set you free from the, the pressures of the present. And Jesus can even set you free from pessimism about the future. I don't know about you, but it, it seems lately that it's getting harder and harder for me as I read the paper and go on the Internet and, and listen to the news. It, it's just hard not to get cynical, isn't it? You almost say, I don't even want to hear anything else. And we get, we get pessimistic. How many of you, and you probably won't admit this, but how many of you read Maxine? Every now and then I have a friend who sends me things. Some things he shouldn't send me that Maxine said, okay? But here's Maxine, that optimist that she is. She said, I was so depressed last night thinking about health care plans, the economy, the wars, lost jobs, savings, Social Security, retirement funds. I got so depressed that I called a suicide hotline. I had to press one for English. And then I was connected to a call center in Pakistan. When I told them I was suicidal, 
They got excited and asked me if I could drive a truck. You know, if we're not careful, we can get pessimistic about the future. We can look at this great nation of ours, we can look at these lives of ours, and we can look and say, all the good is back there, all the good is in the past, and there's nothing good about the future. Not so with God, is it? Jeremiah 29, 11, For I alone know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. We have a great future ahead of us, don't we, as believers? We don't have to stay in bondage. We don't have to walk in the chains of sin and the chains of slavery. We've read the end of the book. We know that we, we win in the end, don't we? And Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. And if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We're going to be free for all eternity. We don't have to worry. Around our world today, there are people in prison because of their belief in Christ, but they're free, aren't they? There are people who have lost their houses, their families, their lands, and everything else, but they're free. And it's better for that person who's in prison in North Korea who knows Christ than the person in America that seems to have it all in their grasp that does not know Jesus Christ. Because one is free and one is not. One is guaranteed to live for eternity, the other is not. Jesus can set us free. You see, as we think about the future, there's one thing that, that nobody likes to talk about, and that's death. Try, try this sometime. Have some friends over for, you know, for supper and pie. When you, when you start passing around the dessert, say, hey, let's talk about death for a little while. Not, not a good, but it's not something people want to talk about, right? But we know it's coming. It's appointed unto man wants to die, and, and, and after that, the judgment. But the good news is the reason we have freedom is we know that heaven waits for us, and heaven is a perfect place. That's why Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. What does Jesus tell us there? There's only one way to heaven. Now, that may not be politically correct. And that may make us sound like spiritual bigots. And that may make us sound like closed-minded Baptists. But there's only one way to heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. And everybody who tries to get there by any other way, other than through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross for our sin, will not make it. Now there are a lot of ways that people try to make it. Just a few of them that, that I, I jotted down. One, one is uh, salvation by sincerity. We already talked about that, right? Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. For instance, over 90% of people believe that God exists. 
Something like 87% of Americans believe in heaven. Less than 50% believe in a literal hell. Now, just because people don't believe there's a hell, and people don't like to hear us talk about hell, and, and they don't want to hear preaching about hell, does that mean there's not going to be a hell? That doesn't change it one iota, does it? Remember the old bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it? We can leave out that middle part, right? God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. That doesn't change the truth. And salvation by sincerity, just saying, well, I can believe whatever I want as long as I'm sincere about it, that doesn't help if you're wrong. It doesn't matter how much you think. If you think you're on the right road to Fort Smith and you're headed toward West Memphis, it doesn't matter how much you believe you're going to Fort Smith, you're going to get to the dog track in just a little while. You're not going in the right direction, no matter how much you believe it. There, there are other folks who, who try to believe in a, in a salvation by service. They, they think that, hey, if, if I can just do some good things, I volunteer for this charity organization and I'll go, I'll go feed the homeless and, and, and I'll go I'll clothe the homeless and feed the hungry and, and I'll volunteer for all kinds of stuff at church and, and, and somehow I can do enough works and I can prove my goodness and one day when I get to heaven, God's going to weigh all the good that I've done against all the bad that I've done and if the good outweighs the bad, then I'm going to get into heaven. Wrong again, right? Because as we learned last week in Sunday school, if you break the law in one point, you're guilty of every bit of it. That's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. Some people believe in a salvation by subtraction. Or words, they think if they just give up enough stuff, you know, they try to clean up their life. I know, preacher, I need to clean up my life. Now that's probably true. The problem is we can't clean up our lives because we all are born with a sinful nature and we can't clean it up. Only Jesus can clean up our lives and he has to do it from the inside out. It doesn't matter how clean the outside is if the inside is still corrupt. And so salvation by subtraction won't get us there. I mean, we can go around and say, I don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or run around with girls who do. Remember that? But that won't get us to heaven. So, some people think, well, I'm going to go with a, a salvation by religion. Salvation by, by ritual. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll get baptized. Maybe that'll wash away my sin. Baptism doesn't wash away your sin. Only the blood of Jesus washes away sin. We get baptized not in order to be saved. We get baptized to show that we have been saved. And it doesn't matter how many times Brother Tom dunks you in the baptistry. Had a man one time say, well, I was baptized by Adrian Rogers. <laughs> Big deal. If you're not saved... It doesn't matter how many, well, that, I'll tell you what I'll do, I will, I'll join the church. I'm a member of the church. That's not going to help you if you're not saved. Sitting in the church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a chicken house makes you a chicken. 
You don't get saved by showing up to church. Other people say, well, you know, I'll, again, I'll just come to church, join the church, do those good things. It's not like joining the Lions Club. By the way, you join the Lions Club, it don't make you a lion either, does it? Joining the church is something you do because you are a believer, not something that you do to make you a believer. Some people look to salvation by religion. Other people, very quickly, they, they look to salvation by heritage. Well, my mama was a Christian. My grandmama was a Christian. Again, that doesn't help you. You're not born into it. That'd be like saying my mama was married. My grandmother was married. I guess I'm married. You got to make a personal decision. You, you have to make a personal choice, right? It, it's one-on-one as, as, as God saves us. It's not because of what people before us have done. Here's probably my favorite in this day and time. Salvation by comparison. Well, I'm better than old so-and-so. Preacher, I spec I'm better than most of those folks down there at your church. You know what I respond to that? Hey, I know you're better than me. But brother, just being better with me ain't much. Because God doesn't grade on the curve. You see, nobody's perfect. Heaven is a perfect place. And we're not going to get to heaven on our own. But Jesus died in our place on the cross. And when he hung on that cross, God took my sin, he took your sin, and he laid them on Jesus. And Jesus died so that one day when we stand before God, we're going to get in, not because we were good, not because of anything we have done. We're going to get into heaven for one reason, and that's because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him. That's the only way. Now, now some of you today need to uh, quit being a slave. You have a false sense of freedom, false sense of security. You're trying to get to heaven by some other way than Jesus. Would you bow your head just a moment? Miss Barbara's coming, and she's going to play something for us very quickly. There's some of you probably in this room this morning that as we talk about death and we talk about heaven, you're not really sure if it happens today, if you would go there. You may have been thinking, well, I, all I did was I was supposed to do. I was baptized. I joined the church. I tried to be good. But you're not sure today. The truth is, Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He paid the price for your sin. He died on the cross in your place. And today as he speaks to your heart, it could be that you say, Lord, I know you died on the cross for my sin. 
And I now turn from my sin and I place my faith in you. And as you do that, Jesus comes and takes up residence in your life. Others here today, you may be saying, you know, I, I know I'm saved, but I just drifted away from God. He, he's not the sinner like he used to be. Maybe you just hear him saying, hey, come on back. Come on back home. Don't believe the devil's lies. Don't try to live the world's ways. It's just going to lead to bondage. Don't trade your freedom. Don't trade the truth of God for a lie. Who are you going to believe? Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me or the world. Some of you today, you just feel like you're at the end of your rope. You're discouraged, distressed, despondent. Maybe you just need to hear today the gentle Savior say, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened down. I'll give you rest.